Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on his law day and night, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Good morning, Oakwood. Welcome to part two of our series called Rooted that we started last week, where we uh, talked about, hey, when life happens, only the rooted will stand. And we want to be rooted in Christ Jesus, rooted in the Word of God. And we're going to be uh, studying that for the next several weeks. And we're going to be really looking at a passage, really honing in on a passage from Mark 4. So uh, be, to begin this morning, I just want to begin with a word of prayer. So if you would, please bow with me. Lord God, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to gather in your name and, and to worship you. And I pray in these next few minutes, God, as we, as we sow seed, as we put the word of God out, that it could take root in our hearts and grow us into the people you want us to be. That we could not be merely, uh, merely uh, hearers of the word, but we would be doers as well. And so God, just uh, pray that you would just uh, speak to us this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, we've got you covered. Just grab that one in the seat around you. Turn it to page 839, and you'll be at Mark chapter 4. And as always, you can follow along on your tablet or your phone through the Oakwood app and all the sermon notes and all the scriptures, and everything's right there for you. And I appreciate you uh, being engaged and uh, following along as we uh, go through the Word of Scripture this morning. Uh, this passage we're going to read in its entirety, and this is going to be our passage for the series for the, the next few weeks. It's from Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 3 and going through verse 20. And just to set it up a little bit so you understand where we're at, what we're talking about, Jesus, again, has a large crowd of people listening to him. He actually goes out in a boat away from the shore, and so all the people are in a crowd on the shore. I picture him kind of, you know, standing on the shore, sitting on the shore on the sand there, and he is out in this boat, and, and that was by design for several reasons. He could talk, and the water would actually send his voice you know, send those audio waves to the shore. He could speak to more people, be heard by more people, and more people could see him because he is off the shore in this boat. So that's kind of the context here. And he begins speaking to them in verse 3, and this is what he says. Listen, behold, and he's going to tell them a story now. He says, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And then he said this, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him, 
about the parables. So at this point, the crowd's disseminated from the shore. It's just him and the disciples and a few other close followers of Jesus. And he said to them in verse 11, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And then he said to them, You do not understand this parable. How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown amongst thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. You see, this is a unique parable. One of the teachings of Jesus as he does it in this, this peculiar story form. And that he actually explains what the passage means. Now, if you just read verses 3 through 9, you could probably understand that there's some symbolism there. And that this is representing something. And this other object is representing something else. And, and you, would get a good, you would get a good understanding from that. But here Jesus stops and he actually explains the parable. So it, it's just left there so that everybody can hear and understand it. Now, I want to point out just a couple things before before we focus in on just a few verses of this passage today. In verse 9, it says that Jesus says this, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And at that point, what Jesus is saying is, you know, some of you are going to hear this and get it, and some of you aren't. Some of you are prepared. You are, you are here to receive my word, and some of you aren't. And Jesus is telling, telling this crowd and telling even the disciples and everyone there that, hey, some of you get this and some of you won't. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We laugh about that on staff sometimes because sometimes when we're teaching in a class or something, we kind of feel that way. It's like, hey, some of you are going to get this and some of you aren't. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then you get to that next part where it says that they approached him. The crowd's gone away now. It's Jesus and, and kind of his inner circle of friends, a few followers and his 12 disciples. And they, and, they, and they ask him, and he says to them this, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, and they actually quote some scripture here from Isaiah chapter 6. It says that they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And you read that and you go, so Jesus is speaking in parables so that lost people won't understand. But you kind of have to understand the context here. If you go back to Isaiah 6 where Jesus is quoting from here, Isaiah was a prophet of God. A prophet was one that spoke the truth to the people to try to get them to turn from their ways and turn back to God. 
And Isaiah was at a time where the nation of Israel and all of the Israelites, they were, they were, they were hardening their hearts against God. And he's gone to him once, he's gone to him twice, he's gone to him three times, and, and he's getting to that point. And so then he says this, he says, you who have hardened your hearts against God, you, you who, you know, we're, we're going to speak in parables. And because you're so hardened in your heart, because you're so far away from God right now, you're not even going to be, be able to hear it. There's going to be no forgiveness. There's no, there's no forgiveness of sins for you. There's no turning back to God for you. You've hardened yourself. And so it's not the fact that Jesus doesn't want that to happen. He's just acknowledging the fact that there are those that have a hard heart that just aren't going to get it. They don't want to spiritually discern anything. And so when you have the Lord, you can spiritually discern these things in a parable. But some of you have hardened your heart and you're not going to be able to get it. And then he goes on to explain it, which is, which is great because that doesn't happen a whole lot in the Gospels. Uh, in Luke's Gospel, a parallel passage, he also uh, uh, preaches this, this, same, this same story. But Jesus is sitting here, and, and, and there's several things that I think we need to understand before we go forward. So, and, and this is for today, but it's also for the next several weeks. Just some symbolism of what these things are, are talking about. For instance, the seeds. It mentions the seeds here in the passage. And the seeds are the Word of God. If you read uh, verses 10 through 20, you, you can see that Jesus is plain and evident about that. The sower, originally the sower was Jesus, right? He was one that was preaching and teaching, giving the Word of God to people. And today, anyone who shares God's word with another is a sower. So you could be a sower. I'm, I'm a sower. I'm a sower right now trying to deliver the word of God to people. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, your small group leader. But really, anytime you share the word of God with another person, you're becoming a sower and you're sowing the seeds of the kingdom of God into people's hearts. And then, especially for today's passage, those birds, those birds represent Satan, who is a thief and comes and takes away the word that God wants to, to, to put into our hearts so that it can begin to take root and to grow something beautiful that's planted there. And there's something that we need to draw attention to that's true through this whole series. We, we touched on it last week. Unless our hearts are prepared to receive the word of God, to receive that seed, we cannot grow into the people God intends us to be. We can't be rooted in Him. His word will not be rooted in us. We've got to do, and sometimes it's something that's hard to think about, we have to prepare the soil. And today we're going to fo focus on that first type of soil that was called the hard soil. And the verses we're going to hone in here are Mark chapter 4, verse 4, and then verses 14 and 15. Just really focusing in on the hard soul. And this is what it says. Let's read, read that part again. It says, And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So that's the first part of the parable. Now in verses 14 and 15, Jesus actually explains what this means. And in 14 and 15, it says this, The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear... Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And so we get this condition here. The human heart is like soil. And it must be prepared to receive the seed before the seed can take root and produce a harvest. And so what that tells us is that there will always be prep work for us to do as believers. We are to love our neighbor. We are to share with people the love of God. To all of our unbelieving friends, our family members, we need to be sharing the truth of Scripture because that is the seeds of the kingdom of God that are put out into people. So there's obviously an underlying application here for us to grasp, and that's that we should know the Word of God. And we should understand the Word of God. That we should apply the Word of God 
And that we should actually share the Word of God with people. We should share scriptures. And if anybody comes to you this week with their problem at work or at school or, or wherever you're at this week, somebody says, oh man, I'm in this problem with this thing, I'm having a problem with this. And all of the answers to life's problems are found in the scriptures. And how cool would it be is you started throwing some seed out there by actually giving them a response with the Word of God. We see this in our own lives. This example of a transformed life because of the seed of the Word of God that's taken root in us so that we can actually share it with others. Today, as we continue in the message, I really want to focus on what do we do? What is the condition of our hearts? What are our conditions and responses to, to the fact that we have these hard hearts? Satan immediately steals the Word, it says, and the hard soil from that hard soul. And, and it does this in three ways. There's three conditions or three human responses. And the first one is this. The first hardness of the soul in our hearts is by our inattention. It's by inattention. You see, Satan works overtime to keep people from giving serious attention to the Bible. From giving serious attention to the Word of God. Let me give you some examples of this. He may keep you up late Saturday night so that you can't stay awake on Sunday morning and hear the Word of God. You, you, you literally just, just fall asleep. You're just tired. You, you, you give it an attention. He may put a bunch of distractions around you in the service to take your mind off the message so that you're not focused on what's going around. You're focused on somebody chewing their gum or somebody making a noise or, or you know, just the conditions of your environment may distract you and you just can't really pay attention. To the message. Satan may send thoughts into your mind about what's forward in your week, about tomorrow's agenda at work and this meeting that you're going to have with your supervisor, and, and you've got to make this meeting on Tuesday, and you're going to have to go out of town for it. And so all of those things are working on you, and you really cannot receive the Word of God. When you are trying to read the Bible for yourself sometimes, Satan will distract you, or he'll deceive you into thinking that this is boring, this doesn't apply to your life, and, and maybe conceive even this attitude of apathy in your heart toward it. If he can only distract you if you can only distract you so that sounds they're coming out of the mouth of your friends so the sounds that are coming out of the mouth of your your preacher or your teacher can just go in one ear and, and come out the other then he has had success into that you will not be attentive to the word of god and if you're not attentive to the word of god it will be ineffectual in your life you come here and listen every week and if you don't pay attention Literally, the Word of God, it, it means nothing. You just go on. It has no effect in your life. You'll never see a change. And so you have to pay attention. And you understand this is Satan's game plan. He hardens our hearts through inattention. The second thing is by aversion. He hardens our hearts by aversion. Now, aversion is a strong dislike for something, but maybe a better working definition for us this morning is that aversion is a disinclination towards something. That you're just not inclined to be into it. Maybe you don't necessarily hate it, but you're like, eh, I, I just I don't really like it. It you know, makes me uncomfortable. I, I just just not inclined to pay attention uh, to it. I, I just you know I just have this this disinclination towards something, and Satan will cause you to have feelings of aversion to block the word of God when you hear it or when you read it. These feelings might be against the person who's presenting the word of God. 
may be against the truth that you're hearing from the Word of God, that maybe somehow that stirs in your heart some guilt, or, or maybe, you know, I don't want to pay attention. I don't really want to hear that. That makes me uncomfortable. That's a topic that's really touchy for me. I don't want to hear that. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to apply it for sure. I just don't want to hear it. Sometimes he stirs in you an aversion to the gospel narrative itself. People can actually hear and even understand exactly what is being said from Scripture and still despise it. Still have an aversion to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 in the NIV says it this way. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness. Do you understand that? If there's someone who is unbelieving and they have an aversion to the gospel or aversion to church or aversion just to the word of God anyway, that when they hear the gospel message, it's like foolishness to them. I can't believe all these people in here raise their hands in worship and sing a song, clap their hands and get excited about worshiping God. I mean, I, I don't get what the big deal is. Jesus died. So what? There's lots of people that die all the time. I, oh, he sacrificed. I don't really, you know, it's just this attitude toward you. Do you feel that? As long as we just have this aversion to the whole thing, and that's what keeps people from when they hear the word of God, that keeps people from, not, from the seed not taking root. Because Satan comes in like the birds and just eats all the seed up and it just, it can never grow there. And what it says in that, in uh, 1 Corinthians there, it says, to those who are perishing, it's foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What a paradox. That those of us that are receiving the word and are believers and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we've accepted him as our Lord and our Savior. He is our master. He is our Lord. He is our God. It is the power of God, the message of the cross. But the message of the cross, to those who have hardened their hearts, it's foolishness. You see, Satan works to maintain worldly values so that the sacrifice of Jesus means nothing to a person. Those who recklessly open their hearts to all kinds of influences and to all kinds of people are in danger of developing these hard hearts. What did it say the seed was in verse 4? It was along a path. Uh, we have these uh, trails that, that run in our neighborhood by our house, and they're concrete trails. And it never ceases to amaze me. We have these nice concrete trails, and they got lines, you know, so people go one way and people can go the other way. And it's all it's, it's just there for you. It's so easy to stay you know, right there on the trail, but we have these little paths that go off sometimes. And you'll get to this junction where, you know, you can go this way, you can go this way. And for some reason, there's maybe a, a pole in the middle or, or something that people like walk off. They walk off the concrete and they make this little path over here. And you can see it. It's been traipsing through so many times that it's packed down. The grass isn't growing there anymore. I mean, you can see it and go, whoa, people walk this way to, you know, cut this corner or do something. And so you can see it. it's this worn down, beaten down, well-trodden path. And the, and the soil there is really, really hard. And so it's hard for any of the plants to take root there. It's really hard for grass to grow there or anything uh, good to grow there. And it's because they're so beaten down. And, and here in our passage, it's like people who have well-trodden hearts that are hardened because they've allowed so many people to walk on their hearts with so many different teachings and different ideas. And all of these influences of the world work against us to harden our heart. And, and Satan, Satan has this plan. He gives us such a high view of ourselves that we esteem ourselves. It's called self-esteem. Everybody's worried about their self-esteem. And, and this is not one of the themes of, of Scripture or the themes of the Gospel. 
But we see this evangelical message from Scripture that we're to be broken and that we're to be humble people before an Almighty God. And it feels like that this is threatening our way of life, this idea of humility and brokenness. And so God uses that to harden our hearts against the seed of the Word of God that comes. And we have this aversion to it. I mean, really, in the fleshly sense, in just your human flesh form, not thinking of anything spiritual right now, who wants to live the crucified life? I mean, really. I mean, does that sound like, you know, yeah, let's live the crucified life. But to those who understand what that means, to those that have opened up their heart and allowed the Word of God to root in there, those of us that love Jesus and understand His sacrifice, it means a lot. What, look, look in Galatians 2.20, what the Apostle Paul writes there. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. He's talking about that flesh. He's talking about that heart of stone. He says, hey, that's, been, that's dead now. It has been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. You see, we can read that, and those of us that love Jesus and those of us that understand the sacrifice of Jesus, we can understand, yeah, I was crucified with Christ, and it's I no longer who live, but it is Christ who lives within me. And that we can make it through this world, and we can live in this fleshly form by faith in the Son of God, because we understand how much He loved us, how He gave Himself for us. But if you have a version to that this morning, it means nothing. That scripture means nothing. The sacrifice of Jesus means nothing. Because we just don't have an inclination toward that. Sometimes it's like, ah, I just don't know if I buy it. Yeah, I get all the historical things and hundreds of documents that show scripture to be true. All the historical events around the Bible. Extra biblical narratives talk about Jesus was actually a person he's written about. Yeah, it, it, that, none of that really matters. It just... So we have this aversion to the message of the gospel. And because of that, the word cannot take root in our hearts because we're so hard. The third way, the third way, which is, is something that's, that's kind of weird if we think about it, is by ignorance. It's by ignorance. So the first way is by inattention. The second way is by aversion. The third way is by ignorance. You see, the work of Satan can be so thorough that his servants can actually lose their capacity to grasp what is being said well enough even to get angry about it anymore. They're just ignorant about it. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, even if it was veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, that's Satan, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When the glory of God is described, when the glory of God is even seen, Satan blinds the eyes of his followers so that they wonder what in the world is going on with these spiritual people who are deeply affected by the glory and the grace and the love of God. I mean, I just picture this in worship services sometimes. If you're an unbeliever, you're in here and you're just kind of, man, I'm just kind of minding my own business and man, they're getting excited and people are singing and raising their hands and that person over there, man, they're tearing up over there. And, you know, it just, well, I don't get it. I just, I just don't get it. I don't understand what the big deal is and why they're making such a, a big deal about this. And it's just because it's, we're ignorant. 
Satan blinds us to where we can't even understand everything. And thus, when that happens through ignorance, Satan takes away the Word of God. And he hardens our heart. And I don't know that that's an exhaustive list. There may be other ways that he hardens our hearts, but those are the ones that I, 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 I thought of as I read and as I studied. And so it kind of gets to this point, you know, what can we do? So what can we do to help prepare the soil of our hearts to receive? What do you do? I, I love it. I have a, someone who's uh, in, in agriculture, and I know we have lots of agriculture people in the church, but I got somebody who's a farmer and in agriculture in my Wednesday night um, leadership essentials group. And I love uh, coming to illustrations in the scripture because there's several times where the scripture talks about these you know, agricultural references and how he really gets this. And we were talking about this just in the last couple of weeks. What do you do if the soil is really hard and our hearts are really hard? What do you do? You plow it up. You break it up, you prepare the soil. If you just try to keep throwing seed out on that hard soil, it's not going to take root. I don't know that people are ever going to be able to receive that. And so we kind of have to plow it up, kind of have to break it up. You've probably done that before. You've planted something, and you thought, okay, I want to plant this. What do you do? You break up the soil. Oh, it's so hard. It needs some water. It needs to be broken up. It's gonna, I'm going to have to plow it. I'm going to have to get this garden weasel tool and do this thing. I have to get a shovel and turn the soil over. If you've got a big field that you're trying to plant, what do you do? You've got to plow it. You've got to disc it. You've got to get out there and, and, and prepare the soil. Because if you don't prepare the soil, you won't have the harvest. And remember, this hard soil in, in, in the passage today was a path. They've been trodden down and stamped, you know, stepped on. It just, it just been so packed that it had to be broken and up and prepared. Soul becomes hard when too many people tread on it, and that's why sometimes I think we open ourselves up to way more than we should. We know too much. We've experienced too much. We've seen too much, and our hearts resemble this beaten down path where God comes and He says, "Here, I want to plant My word in your heart. I want you to understand the gospel. I want you to understand the love of My Son Jesus in a special way." But we can't receive it because our hearts are so hard, and the seed goes out, but it doesn't grow. It doesn't take root. What do you do with hard soil? What do you do with some hard heart soil? You've got to break it up. If you don't break it up, you cannot receive the Word of God. And Satan quickly takes it away. You know, brokenness is a beautiful thing when God uses it to rebuild a life. Brokenness is a beautiful thing. And if you're a believer here this morning, and if you can think back to the time of your salvation... You went through a moment of brokenness. You went through a moment where the sin that was in your life was so heavy on you. And where you realized how much Jesus really loved you. How Jesus was really calling out to you. And you became broken. And then the Word of God came in. Started producing something beautiful in your life. But you had to be broken before it became beautiful. Some of you will remember the uh, famous film critic duo named Siskel and Ebert. Siskel died in 1999, but in 2006, Ebert lost part of his lower jaw and actually lost his voice due to complications from cancer. 
He then turned to writing reviews and, and critiques, but you know, he really wanted his voice back. And so he tried this new thing that was coming online, this automated voice software. He got a fake voice. His first voice was named Alex. But Alex was kind of robotic in nature, and it just didn't sound like his voice. So he tried this, you know, Alex's voice on the software. Didn't, didn't, really, didn't really feel right to him. And they said, oh, we've got a better software now. We're, we're upgrading this all the time. And so the second voice he, he got was actually a voice whose name was Lawrence. Lawrence was his second voice, and it kind of had a British accent that was kind of weird. and It just didn't see him. And, and really what Ebert had longed for was just to hear his voice again and be able to speak these critiques and, and, and to do what he'd been doing for so many years, to just hear his own voice again. And then at that time, enter a company called Seraproc. It was a Scottish company that customizes text-to-speech software for voiceless customers. They build custom voice software by mining archives of your voice recordings and piecing them together so that when you talk or you text-to-speak, it actually sounds like you. It's actually your voice coming back to life. Needless to say, Ebert was thrilled to find this out. You know, sometimes we don't miss a voice till it falls silent. We won't miss it till it's gone. You know, I was thinking about this at the end of the Old Testament. There's like this period of 400 years that's often refer, referred to as the silent years, or what we would call in you know, big biblical terms the intertestamental period. This was the time at the book of Malachi at the end of the, of the Old Testament until the time of Jesus' birth and, and the beginning of writings of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the experiences in the first century of that. There was 400 years there that were silent. Years without any prophets or any leaders from God who were speaking the Word or who were recording Scripture. Years where there was no direct Word from the Lord God Almighty. But before that silence, there was a prophet named Ezra. And Ezra read the word of God to the people. Now his desire was that they would rebuild the wall around Jerusalem for their protection. And God's greatest desire was that he would rebuild the hearts of his nation Israel because they had turned away from him so for so long. And Ezra read the word of God. And the men and the women and the children, they gathered together to hear the word of God. And they received the word of God. And they understood the word of God. And then they actually did the word of God. And they repented of their sins and they started going God's direction and wonderful things happen when you follow God. You can hear God's voice in the same way as those Israelites did through his word. It's not Alex's voice or a voice named Lawrence. It's his voice. It's the voice of God Almighty. And when you hear it, there will be a response. Some harden their hearts and not receive it and not contemplate it not think about it, meditate it or dwell on it you see the response of some of the Israelites is they wept others repented and turned back to God and still others have heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus and they've rejoiced with it and I ask you this morning and how about you if you hear it today you hear the word of God, soften your heart. Break up the hardness. And allow God to plant roots and to rebuild your broken life. Because that's what he wants. Because if you want to get through this life, and you want the life that God has for you, then 
you have to be rooted in him.